0: A date which will live in infamy. Both of those projects, initiatives, got off the ground because of the Guerrero. For the 11 Olympic team members slain in West Germany, the Olympic Games. out of the 24 who were killed, were Americans who had come to learn in the cavern. I say one million Jewish children who were made to become Musa. Whoever heard such beautiful words? It is never too little. It is never too late, and it is never enough. Jewish History Soundbites, bringing alive the world of our glorious past. Here is our host, live from Jerusalem, Jewish historian and tour guide, Yehuda Gaber. Welcome, everyone, to another Jewish History Soundbites episode, and this time uh, will be talking a little bit about a special, special yard site, that of Reb Chaim Ezer one of the greatest leaders of the Jewish people in recent times. So this is Yehuda Geberer with another episode of the Jewish History Soundbites podcast. And I have to tell you that one of my favorite places to visit and talk about, the people to visit and talk about on my trips, is to Reb Chaim And there's just so much to say. So what I usually do is I divide it. We go to his kever in the Vilna Jewish Cemetery, where he was transferred from the Zarecha Jewish Cemetery in Vilna to the new Jewish Cemetery in Vilna. That's one place that we talk about him. And also we lead a tour uh, in the Vilna Jewish Quarter, and we actually go to his original house, where most of the stories happened, which was then called 17 Zavalna Street. Now it has already a different name, and um, and there's just so much to say that I have to split up the time that half of it I describe uh, by his cover, and half by his house, because he's a personality that one can literally go on and on and on, and talk about, and never tire of it, and never get bored of it, because he's literally someone who appears on the Jewish scene once in a very long time. even just recently read an article by an academic, an academic article on Rebbe Chaim Euser, an essay, and they prefaced it by saying that uh, Rebbe Chaim Euser is one of the rare people that the hagiography and the biography, the hagiography being something like a, uh, you know, a, like an art scroll type of biography, and the real biography, the real story of the person, they somewhat overlap. Uh, usually the two stories have nothing to do with each other, and yet, Reb Chaim Ezer, its hard to exaggerate his greatness. It's all, it's impossible to make it up. Even he was so great and so um, incredible. His accomplishments and what he did, and his leadership and his and, and everything—that it's it's not the something that you can even make up. So that's uh, someone who exhibited real leadership in in recent times, and his leadership qualities were simply astounding. He was also one of the rare, genuine, bona fide geniuses. He was a real Eloy, um, a rare type of a guttle, really, That um, that that is someone that many in the generation following the war who knew him described him in, in almost awe-inspiring terms. And I want to start off with a story um, that really brings out a lot of bit about him. And it's a story that happened over 40 years after he died. I heard this from Robert Wine, um, one of my mentors in Jewish history, about the founding of his yeshiva in, in Mansi, of Shari Torah, um where part of the funding and the arrangements for the yeshiva, and it was also about involved in other yeshivas at later times was uh, was assisted by an Israeli, a secular Israeli guy named Avner Yisraeli, and this Avner Yisraeli assisted Rabbi Wein in obtaining the funding and the and all types of legal issues and bureaucratic red tape and 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 then later on it wasn't only for Rabbi Wein's yeshiva; it was also for other yeshivas. And at some point, he asked him, Mister Avner Yisraeli, why. Are you so um, involved in building yeshivas? Uh, you, you're you a secular Jew and really don't have really much of a... What is your connection? What is it that you have such an investment and in that you're so dedicated to helping out build yeshivas? And he says, I'll tell you, I grew up in Vilna. Again, this is 1983, so he, he was already an older man then. So it's uh, he grew up in the Vilna, in the pre-war Vilna. And I was a secular Jew in Vilna, I grew up secular. And I was in the University of Vilna, where I was the president of the Young Jewish Socialist League in the University of Vilna campus, very far from Yiddishkeit. And one day, I get a message that someone wants to see me on campus, and it's a rabbi with a beard and a long kaftan. And he says to me, are you Mr. whatever? Um, I'm a messenger. I'm the secretary of the rabbi, Reb Chaim Weiser Grijensky, And he'd like to see you, if you can come over and meet him. Okay, what does he want me to, what does he need me to meet me for? So I came. And I went to meet Reb Chaim Weiser. Reb Chaim Weiser brings out a tray of cookies and tea. And first Reb Chaim Weiser says, I'm going to make a bracha on the cookies and on the tea. And I want you to answer Amen. So he answers Amein. And then he says, now you go ahead and eat also. And he says, the reason I'm calling you is because I understand you're in a position of leadership on the university campus with the Jewish students. You're the head of the Socialist League. And he says, yes. So he says, Pesach is coming up in a few weeks. I want you to arrange a Seder, a Pesach Seder for the Jewish students on the University of Vilna campus. They should have drink dalad of wine and they should eat matzah, and I'm going to give you some money for it. And he takes out a few hundred dollars. is a large amount of money at the time. There's a lot of Jewish students in the university campus. And he says, you're in charge of buy- buying the wine and the matzahs, and I, pay- I paid for it, so the two of us are doing this together, and I'm relying on you to take care of it. Will you do that? Will you arrange a seder? And he says, yes, sure, Rabbi, I'll take care of the seder. And Reb Chaim sticks out his hand, as a, that we're going to shake on it, this is agreed. And he agrees to it, and he says, I led a Seder on the University of Illinois campus for 300 Jewish students, uh, mainly members of the Young Jewish Socialist League. We had a full Pesach Seder with matzahs and wine. And that was all b'schus Reb Chaim And he says the care that Reb Chaim showed for someone who is so far from his world and so far from his camp, um, you know, what is he concerned about? The Jewish Socialist League, or Chaim was the leader of Klaal Yisroel. He was the head of the Vada Yeshivas of Agodes Yisroel. He was a big poisek. He was the on the Vilna Bezdin, the head of the Vilna Bezdin. And here what's concerning him is not only to call him in, but also to pay for a Pesach Seder for the secular socialist students. On the University of Vilna campus. So that was an amazingly impressive interaction. And he met Chaim Meiser, and uh, perhaps because of that, he's involved in many years later in building yeshivas and helping yeshivas. And Rabbi Wein finished off the story by saying how he realized that Chaim as the head of the Vari Yeshivas, was still building yeshivas in Klaal Yisrael in 1983, 43 years after he. Was Nifter after he had already passed on. That was the amazing influence of Rebbe Chaim how he influenced other people that uh, it literally lasts way beyond his own lifetime. And that really typifies Rebbe Chaim leadership and care um, that it uh, was not only in the macro level that he was the Paisik for the entire Klauya Stroll, that he ran the entire Vada Yeshivas, that he was one of the leaders of the Agudisi Stroll, but rather. It went down to the micro level as well that each and every one, as an individual, no matter who they were and where they came from, but he had his concern for them. Um, in fact, uh, one time a a young girl, uh, a, a woman, a young girl came into Chaim Ezer with a halacha question. She says, "I I, um, I am a not a halacha question to ask for help." Excuse me, that was the whole point. She came in to ask for help. She said to Chaim Ezer, "I'm a." Orphan, I don't have money for my wedding, and I'm a kala, and I need money. So said, okay, let's try to arrange money for you. Rebbe says to her, if you're an orphan, and you're having struggling to make a wedding by yourself, so who's teaching you the halachis that a girl, that a kala has to know before she goes to the chuppah? And she looks to the ground, and she says, nobody. Rabbi Chaim says to her, okay, uh, come back tomorrow at this and this time. She comes back tomorrow at this and this time, and he sits her down, and he paces through the room, and he starts to teach her the halachas. He takes a couple of hours of his time, and he himself goes ahead and teaches her the halachas. And that also typifies who he was, because, because he not only went ahead and did it himself, and did the chesed himself, and taught her himself, such a busy man, but it was more than that. She didn't come to him to find out the Allah She came to him to ask for money for her wedding, which he provided for as well. And he, being perceptive and understanding, if she doesn't have money for her wedding, then she probably doesn't have someone to teach her that also. And every after every few minutes, he would say, did you understand what I said? Did you understand the halachas? Do you have any questions? Until he made sure that she knew it all. So this Reb Chaim Weiser came, was brought up in a little, tiny little Litvish shtetl which is now in Belarus, called Ivy, where for several generations, his his father and grandfather and great-grandfather had been rabbis in Ivy, And the Gordzinski family was an old Ivy family. That um, very rabbinical family and big Talmudic Chachamim, Like I said, he was a big ilui, he was a genius. He went to Valozhen at a very young age, learned in Valozhen, and being one of the best guys in the heyday of Valozhen with, Reb Chaim, with uh, the Netsiv and Reb Chaim Brisker, he got a great shidduch and he married the daughter of the Vilna Dayen Rebbe rebellion laser Grodnitsky. Now he was Grodzensky, his Father-in-law was Grodnitski. And Rebellion laser Grodnitski was actually the son-in-law of Rabbi Yisrael Salanter. Uh, see, he married the granddaughter of Rabbi Yisrael Salanter. And uh, Rabbi Salanter was very impressed with him. Um, the, the two daughters of Rebellion laser Grodnitski married Chassidic people. One, Chaim Oiz, excuse me, and the second one was married to Reuven Doiv Dessler. And that's why Reuven Doiv Dessler's son, Rebellion laser Dessler, was named El Yulezer, after his grandfather, the Vilna Dayan, um, and actually Reb Chaim who who uh, we'll get to in a second, he didn't have any children who survived him. He was very close with Reb El Yulezer Dessler, which is his nephew, and one of his closest living relatives, basically, and um, was one of the only smichas he ever gave. Reb Chaim would not give smicha, he would refer people to, who wanted smicha to others, to, um, to the Marcheshes and the Vilna Bezdin, to also some Chazale Grigor of Brisk, to others, but um, he himself would not give smicha. One of the only people who got smicha from Rebbe Chaim Eizer was his nephew, Rebbe Lezer Dessler. He was very close with him. In fact, he gave him, Rebbe Lezer Dessler, a wedding present, which was something that he himself had received as a wedding present. He, he received the Kiddish Becher, the Kiddish cup of his wife's grandfather, Bishra Salanter. And he gave that and he used it his whole life. And then, he gave it over to Rebelialzer Dessler. So Rebelazar Dessler had the Kiddish Becher of Rabisral Salanter, which was actually a very small shear of the Kiddish Cup. And and uh Dessler, Desler, when he moved to Bene Brak at the end of his life, he did not want to use it because he lived in Bene Brak, which was the Chazanish's jurisdiction, who held a larger Shiurim of Revius, And this small Kiddish Becher had a very, very small quantity of liquid that it could hold. It was smaller than a revius that most people would hold in their bechers today. And his wife insisted that he does not switch. He said, if it was good enough for Yisrael Salanter and it was good enough for Reb Chaim then it's good enough for you and you don't have to switch. So he did not switch it until after his wife had passed away. In any event, so... He the idea is, is that Rabkhimiser being that he marries the daughter of the Vilna Dayan, he's gonna become the Dayan on the Vilna besden when his father-in-law passes on, and his father-in-law passes on quite young. Um so he takes a position at a very young age of at the, the Vilna Bezdin, a position that he'd maintain for the rest of his life, for the next about fifty-five years of his life. He remained the dyan on the Vilna besden He becomes the center of the Vilna Bezdin eventually. Someone said He's so young, how can he be a dyin on the Vilna Bezdin together with the Cheshik Shloyman and other great people? And he said, my young age is a mum oiver, it's a passing blemish, because soon I won't be young anymore. And especially after a Khan inspector, the Kovner Rav passes away, so the Reb, Reb Chaim becomes a, a, a rising star on the uh, Vilna Bezdin, on the halacha world becomes the Paisa Kadar. He later is the founder of the Vadha yeshivas. he He seems to people around him that he's like the the koil mm-hmm. He can do anything. He was a father to his people. Um, he, uh, he was he took a responsibility in such a and made like put on his shoulders all the problems of his people. as one of the leaders of Agoro as as the ones who took care of the yeshivas, the funding the management as the, as the paisik for the four corners of the world he would get from all over. People would send halachic queries to him from all countries around the world, and sometimes they wouldn't know his address at 17 Zavalna street, which became the nerve center of Klal Yisrael. There were all kinds of rabbinical conferences in his home, and people visiting and knocking on his door for questions and help and assistance and community-related issues and everything else. And uh, and um, people wouldn't if someone was sending a question from far away wouldn't know his address they'd write Rabiner Grudzinski, uh, Vilna and the post office would know how to deliver it to his house that's how popular it was and um, in fact one yeshiva guys whenever they were in Vilna they would come stop by Reb Chaim Meiser either to just speak to him in learning or to ask him for help sometimes for money for anything else that. He could provide them for. He was like the father to the yeshiva world, like just like he was the father to Vilna, just like he was the father to all of the people who turned to him. And and uh, one time, yeshiva got, actually my well, grandfather, when he was in Vilna during that year um, in the beginning of the war, Chaim Meiser actually was responsible for bringing all the yeshiva guys to Vilna when the Soviets took over Eastern Poland and Vilna was reverted back to Lithuania, and he told all the yeshivas to come to Vilna. That was his last uh, salvation for the yeshiva, temporary salvation for the yeshiva world. For obviously the Nazis came and destroyed everything. But uh, shortly before he died, and he said he'll provide for them in Vilna. That was the last desperate situation um, that he found himself in. My wife's grandfather was in the at that time in the Kletz, yeshiva, and he was in Vilna. So I asked him once if he ever went to Reb Chaim like all the other yeshiva guys from the stories, and he said no, Reb Chaim was busy, I never wanted to bother him. So he never saw Reb Chaim But a lot of other people did go to bother him. And Reb Chaim had one daughter, Malka, who died young. Uh, she got sick when she was 16, and and uh, she was sick for about three years, and she died when she was 19. And this was, she was the apple of Reb Chaim eye. She was his only child, and she died in his lifetime before she got married. And it was a tremendous blow for Reb Chaim He took it very hard. Um, But he took it, again, with a responsibility to call Israel. As his daughter was dying, he wrote and answered a lot of letters that he had received. And someone asked him, why are you so busy answering letters? He said, because I understand my daughter's situation and I may be sitting shiva soon and I won't be able to answer halachic questions. And my responsibility as a rabbi is to take care of everyone who 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 turns to me, and therefore I am trying to answer as many of the halachic questions before the inevitable happens. So this daughter was was brilliant. She was like she had her father's mind. She was wise in, in in every way, you know. And she was a you know quite a talked about girl in the yeshiva world. So this yeshiva guy was knocking on Reb Chaim door, and Malka answers. So the yeshiva guy, being a very a religious yeshiva boy, he immediately looks to the floor, doesn't want to look at this uh, the single girl. So she says to him, very sharply, she says to him, It's better to look at me and think in learning than to look at the ground and think about me. So that was what... Uh, Chaim Meiz's daughter said to the one at the uh, at the door. And Chaim Meiz besides everything else he did, he ran the Ramaylis Yeshiva in Vilna. And he had the different dayanim on the Vilna Bezdin give shiurim there. He hired the rabbim there. He put his brother in charge of the yeshiva. So he ran a yeshiva. Before that, after Valushin had closed, he ran a kibbutz of of talmidim of bachrim in in one of the batim edrashim in Vilna that he invited them over and to to take care of them. He he literally was involved in everything. In fact, um, when the Chavetz Chaim passed away and the Chaim Eizer had a telephone in his house because of the Vadi Yeshivas, because of his position in Kol Yisrael, he was one of the few people who had a telephone in his house. So the Chavetz Chaim, who was a very close friend and many of their communal uh, operations they did together, the two people were very close as leaders of the Jewish people at that time. So they called from Radin. It was a Friday morning when the Chavetz Chaim had passed away, and they found the one telephone in Raden to call Vilna to call Reb Chaim Eizer, to tell him about the Chavetz Chaim had died, and they had three questions for Reb Chaim Eizer. They wanted to ask him: a) Should we make the Levaya today on Friday, or should we do it on Sunday so that more people should be able to t- attend and be able to spread the word? B) um, Are you going to participate in the Levaya? And C). Who should give him hesped at? The, who do you advise that should give a hesped at the Chavetz Chaim's funeral? So that was the three questions they wanted to ask. So they ring up Reb Chaim Chaim secretary answers the phone, and he goes into Reb Chaim room and he says to him, Rebbe, it's Radin on the line. They're calling from Radin, and immediately the Chavetz, the Reb Chaim understood that the Chavetz Chaim was nifter. Why would they be calling him so urgently? He knew he was sick. On Friday afternoon, so he said, and then he started to deduce to himself why would they be calling him. So he says to his secretary, "Tell them that they should wait till Sunday to do the levaya. That I will not be able to attend, unfortunately, and that this and the so and so A, B, and C should give hespe them at the Leviah. So that's what his answer was before they even asked the question. He was able to figure out the questions. So this. By the Litvaks, they'll say that this is a Maifas of Reb Chaim Ezer. But in truth, he was a true Litvak, this is not a Maifas at all. This just shows the wisdom, the Chachma of Reb Chaim Ezer, how he sized up situations instantaneously with his brilliance. He immediately took responsibility for for any situation that he saw and he was encountered with. And he right away made a call for action. That's what he was, everything that he was. It was his wisdom, it was his responsibility, and then a call for action. And that's how he led a HaGodis Yisroel, and even though he was a leader of HaGodis Yisroel, and on his own bezdin sat the Marcheshes, Rebchanich Henech Aigish, who was one of the Gdoli Ador, one of the biggest Paiskim, also one of the heads of the Vada Yeshivas, and yet Rebchanich Henich Aigish was the head of the Mizrahi. He was the rabbinical leader of the Mizrahi. So here you have an amazing situation that existed in the pre-war time, that you have the head of a HaGodis Yisroel and the head of the Mizrahi, sitting on the same Bezdin for 40 years together, best of friends, getting along, unbelievable, even though they politically have different affiliations. And that was uh, those times. And um, and uh, he, he wrote Sfarim, he wrote the Sefer Achiezer, he explained that even during these trying times, during these upheaval times, he still wants to write Sfarim. He participated in many rabbinical gatherings in the czarist era, and then later on in the uh, Gudis Israel era, he attended. Um, I think two of the Knessiya Gedalos of A Israel. He literally was was a leader in in all respects, in 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 every area. His influence was was tremendous, and uh, that was a little bit about Rabbi Chaim Ezer. Like I said, we could go on and on, but um, time has run out. So perhaps we'll find another opportunity. I just wanted to end off with. A, a back with the Gebs Words segment of a mispronounced word in an earlier podcast. I used the word corroborate, and in fact, the correct way to pronounce that is corroborate. So there you go. There's another word in English from the Gebs Words segment. And this was Yehuda Geberer of Jewish History Soundbites. You could subscribe now to Jewish History Soundbites on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher, and of course reach me at YGEBSS at gmail.com for questions, common sources, and to visit places like Vilna and other places. And of course, follow us on Twitter at Soundbites. and I hope you enjoyed.